All right, we're on a tweet schedule. We're going to keep it tweet. <laughs> Is that really that funny? Oh, why? <laughs> yeah. I'm a pretty easy laugh. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, for about the fourth week in a row, well, I don't know. I think we're approaching it differently today. We're coming into an episode saying, okay, well, we'll probably talk about this, um, but maybe we'll talk about that. In our defense, the last three weeks, we intended to talk about something mm -hmm. and then just didn't. Which is why this week is a little different. Um, we did no intentions. <laughs> we have zero intentions, really, <laughs> other than just to... Just to check in, just to check in with each other. Yeah. Did you listen to last week's episode? Yeah, but I want to know how you're doing. You want to know how I'm doing? I'm losing my mind. Are you? What's happening? <laughs> A little bit. It's all just spinning. I've got the probably the biggest gig I've ever had um, on Friday as far as like payday and like plates that need to spin for it it's like it's like a big big payday for six different people and it all kind of comes through me and i have to organize it and so it's a this big high dollar wedding thing where i'm doing the ceremony with one person the cocktail hour with another with two other people and then the reception with a full band and that's stressing me out a little bit but this is my first full week of doing like counseling hours, like hours uh, with yeah. um, clients. And so that happened on this week. And also I still kind of work for an evangelical church and Sunday is Easter Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I'm aware. Yeah. So, I was uh, just going to say you should have an easy like this is Holy Week. And every year prior to this year, this should have been a really hard week for you. But yeah. Well, it still you know, is. The church, the, the church thing is not that big of a deal, um, yeah. except that there's like a couple of new music musicians in the church who haven't really played for the church before. But I've met them and like trying to get other people involved in it, and um, so we're we're actually using those people this week. So I do actually have to organize a band uh, with the church thing on Easter Sunday <laughs> for the first time. Gotcha. <laughs> it's just. Uh, yeah, and I'm one week away from having to go to uh, the middle of nowhere, Kentucky, for yep. a whole weekend uh, to start my graduate work because I'm doing it online, but I have to go first to you get a good go connection to, to plug it in. <laughs> we had the same joke thought. <laughs> I mean, you got to plug in initially. <laughs> yeah, they have the Wi-Fi password there. <laughs> Yeah. You just see it with your own two eyes. Um, they don't trust the internet to be able to send their Wi-Fi password over the internet. Well, how could you? How could you use it? You know, how yeah. could you get it there? I mean, when you're going to be spending tens of thousands of dollars on a graduate degree, you want to say you've been to Kentucky. I want to say I at least went. You know, that I met somebody, that I did a keg stand or two. Right? <laughs> there's like that. There's a real. Have you ever done a you keg really stand? You got to get the whole college experience in. It's going to be a crazy weekend. I've never well, done a keg stand. I haven't. No, me either. I'm always worried about, I'm worried about chipping my teeth. Yeah. Well, I went to an evangelical Christian college. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get you. Um, I might as well have. I, I went to a public university, state university, but... Um, but I looked down on them for not being an evangelical college. Regularly. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> I treated it. I, I showed them the way it should be. <laughs> hey, Drew, you want to come to a party this weekend at my house? We're going to get some beers. You're like, well, that should be illegal. <laughs> so no. <laughs> and that you're not breaking the rules, but you should be. Um, so yeah, that that's how I am, and even just saying it all out loud just now ma made me realize, like, yeah, I mean, other people have real problems, um, 
this is this is not that big of a deal. We can handle it. Ah, making so much money this weekend. It's really annoying. <laughs> that kind of shit. Yeah. Well, yeah. Get it. But it but there it has its own stressors, you know, that you have like, yeah, I'm making so much money this weekend and then not again until June. <laughs> 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 like it is nice. It is cool when and anytime like you tell somebody like how much you can make at a certain wedding they're like oh well that's a great job they're like yeah well imagine if you had a great job one week every three months or so <laughs> <laughs> i do book a lot of weddings and a lot of other things but they don't usually they're not usually like you know there's kind of a standard rate of pay that's more normal for you know that can almost get me to middle class <laughs> <laughs> yeah Preacher, I've been thinking something is occurring to me as strange. Evangelicals say the Jesus people, but then they're fuzzy on a lot of his ways. I'm not saying they're evil or even that they're trying to pull some kind of heist. I'm just saying that I think that they're unclear what kinds of things would be important to Christ. Uh. Well, what's what's Wednesday looking like for you? You feel good? I feel good. This is this is spring break for the kids. So, you know, I've asked people to be quiet, but that's only going to affect their behavior so much. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that you'll hear from people. Have you threatened them? Uh, on pains of death. Yeah. Yeah. Well. But they do don't it. care about that. No. You've never followed through before. <laughs> No, that's the thing. They start to learn. <laughs> you go big with the threats, and then you can't. You have really to kill one of them. It. At some point, they need to see you murder a child. Yeah. And then, and then they're like, "Ah, he's serious. Or he could be. I usually he's not, but I did see him one time. <laughs> Let's play it safe." Uh. Yeah. So you had texted me, um. So I had texted you about an idea a couple of weeks ago of a conversation that I thought might be worth having, maybe not a full episode kind of conversation, just some ideas that I had. And then you texted me yesterday about an idea that's maybe not totally dissimilar and not totally disconnected from, from my idea. I had texted you and said, I think it would be interesting to draw an auditory Venn diagram um, with yeah. two circles. Uh, like like Venn diagrams do. I mean, sometimes they could have more, but this one would just have two. Um, so you got to close your eyes, Chris Christians. One circle. Picture being this, especially Christian. if you're driving. Yes, yeah, Christian. One, one picture being the the circle of um, Christ focused Christianity, right? The way of Jesus. Let's call it yep. that. Like okay. one circle All is right. the, the way, way of, Jesus. of Jesus, and then another circle being evangelicalism yep um or if we wanted to be a little more broad because you know as 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 different and sort of unto itself as evangelicalism is from some some types of mainline protestantism and other branches of christianity like american christianity okay maybe is the larger is the other circle so we have the way of jesus and american christianity with kind of evangelicalism being the main source of material. Yeah. And, you know, I started thinking about this and like what goes, what goes in the center, right? What goes in, in the place that actually is contained in both things? What, where is the overlap? And it is an alarmingly low number of things. Well, what do you have? Do you have you drawn it up? Do you like? Do you have a list of things? Oh, it's only an auditory Venn diagram. So, well, no. do you have an auditory <laughs> list? <laughs> I can't draw it. I can only say it. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, well, in the middle, I think there would be um, benevolence, like so, so, generosity. Yeah. At least being a central talking point, and and I think an aim. I yeah. mean, I was working with a client this past week who needed food 
um, supplies and like they only have a certain amount of money for groceries. And I'm like, well, I know of an organization here that you could just go get groceries anytime you want. Like you can just go and you'll, they'll feed you. You, you don't live in a, in a city where that would be difficult. We, we have the fortune of being a small enough city that nobody really has to go hungry as long as they know where to go. Um, yeah. And I started looking it up and every pickup point is a church. Yeah. It's not a church organization. Uh, it's a food pantry, you know, a central Virginia food pantry, but every single place you go to pick it up is a church. So it was just one of those moments where I was like, as hard as I am and as harsh as I am towards church, like generosity, feeding hungry people is something that American Christianity does seem to um, focus itself on, like does a lot of do pretty well. A lot of it won't. They don't want to ask questions about like why do we have why are we dealing with the problem of food insecurity on a structural level, right? Right. Right. We don't want to deal with that. But feed you when you're hungry, yes. Help you when tragedy has come up. Yeah. Yes. The the sort of political aspect yeah. of it is lost on is lost on American Christianity, especially evangelicalism. Um, like how maybe we could address this at a deeper level. But so that was one thing where I'm kind of like that and and some of the some of the splintering out of generosity and be benevolence towards others like I do think there's kind of a a good old fashioned uh southern hospitality aspect to a lot of and not the not the ironic southern hospitality not the not the like nice to your face and stab you in the back you know nice to your face but racist about you when you're not around or what but like the for real thing um yeah that's a that's a true overlap for me okay um you think that jesus of nazareth practiced southern hospitality southern hospitality yeah okay He's like all right y'all y'all come on over i'm making fish <laughs> i think that's <laughs> i think that is right in yeah. line <laughs> yeah okay you got it bring bring that cripple boy right over here to me <laughs> i'm gonna help him <laughs> you see it now don't you i can see yeah, yeah. you're laughing but also your eyes are lighting up and you're like you know what i think you're right <laughs> don't y'all throw rocks don't y'all throw rocks at her no, you come here sweet thing <laughs> It's all right. I'm going to get rid of your accusers, right? You can see <laughs> you can see a southern hospitality be nice to people who need your help. Yeah. In Jesus, like that really is a very kind of Jesus. Now, I don't know if it's chicken or egg, like if it's just like southern people are that way and then they're like, "Well, let's go ahead and call it Christian," or if it kind of came from a Jesus seems to like to feed people when they're hungry, stick up for people when when nobody else is sticking up for them, like show up in people's crises. Like he yeah. he does seem to be that, and we're so we're that too. Um, but either way, it doesn't matter if it's chicken doesn't or matter. egg. We're just yeah. drawing an auditory Venn diagram here. The overlap is there. This yeah. seems to be characteristics of Jesus that are present in a lot of American Christianity. Um, then I think we have. A possible overlap. Now, this one is is a little tricky, but I'm going to try to create as many overlap points as possible because the circles are just so. I mean, it, it in my head, the auditory uh, Venn diagram is is the number eight. You know what I mean? Like the, the overlap is so small, yeah, and the circles are so large. Um, but I will go ahead and throw on this. That's um, good. The number eight. That's a that gave me a good auditory yeah. picture i like that yeah it's like a number eight drawn by a five-year-old though you know what i mean yeah. like they yeah, haven't yeah, learned yeah. the they haven't learned the figure eight they just draw a circle on top of each other and there's a little overlap in the middle yeah but mostly it's an eight um the other i, I was gonna say like kind of a an obsession with scripture um now i think the obsession is very different uh you know that's that's where we would get into separate circles but in the overlap i think you could say jesus is pretty obsessed with the old testament with the scriptures 
Um, yeah, he sure he seems to almost know all of them. Like he can just call on any any scripture at will. He seems to have, have memorized most of it. Um, yeah, and I would say that American Christianity is big every, on that. They are really, really big on the importance of scripture. Um, I think they interpret it differently. I think they do with it something that is not entirely Jesus, but I do think that is a point of overlap that it's like, well, Jesus really cares about what the Bible says, and so do we. Um, Jesus's Bible is different than ours, but we don't need to talk about that. (laughs) What Jesus (laughs) says about the Bible is different than what we say about the Bible, but uh, neither here nor there, we at least at some level are following in the footsteps of this Jesus person by saying the Bible matters a whole lot. Okay. Um, and I think it pretty much ends there. <laughs> I can't, like, then the, the it's a lot more interesting to talk about where there's no overlap. Can you see any other, can you see points of overlap that I might be missing? Um, yeah, I, I'm trying to think of how to say this. Something like expectation of miracles. Okay. Like the miraculous, I think is, at least in my experience of evangelicalism, you know, and it was different, right? Because w- what we meant by miracle was like, well, Shelley had cancer and now it's in remission. Right. And like, right. I mean, that is a miracle, right? And and the every or, time or anybody... Magnets. magnets. <laughs> How the fuck do they work? <laughs> exactly. Anybody who gets that joke, I'll send you a t-shirt. I'll send you the t-shirt I'm wearing right now if you know where that joke comes from. Do you, I Joe? Do, I do not. No, I don't. <laughs> I told you I'm an easy laugh. I didn't even have to know. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's a pretty funny line anyways, but it's not my line. I'll, I'll um, send it to you. Nah, I don't want to give my t-shirt away. It's it's an insane clown posse song. Huh. There you go. They had a song that was about... It's called Miracles, and everybody should pause this podcast right now and listen to Miracles by the Insane Clown Posse and see if you don't become a juggalo by the end of it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, it's like (laughs) every time, literally every medical story I ever heard growing up, the doctor's (laughs) in the story expected this person to die. Doesn't matter what it was. Like the doctors were all <laughs> shocked. Unbelievable. I can't believe that this, this has happened. The doctors like, have never seen All my other patients anyone. die and you lived. That's amazing. Are you Christian? Cause everybody else who comes to me dies. <laughs> Is that true? And you're like every story yeah, I ever Yeah, it's really funny. Like, the doctors couldn't it. believe it. Yeah. Yeah, either these doctors are terrible at being doctors and they just see people, they just mostly murder people. And they're like, I can't believe this worked on you because <laughs> everybody else I tried it on died. Um, either that or, uh, or, yeah, or, or maybe we're not, maybe we're not super clear on what the doctors actually said or which ones were the doctors at the hospital. That's yeah. possible too. Yeah. So, that okay i don't know i put that somewhere you know jesus did a lot of that sort of thing yeah um we could probably while we're here i do have one more you you saying that made me think about um now it's another one where it's kind of like scripture where it's like yeah jesus and american christians are both obsessed with that but in very different ways um i would put sort of apocalyptic obsession like this sort of belief and communication that uh, the world is so bad that it can't possibly go on much longer, yeah. that God's about to God's about to swoop in and end it for good or fix it for good or prove that we're right or something like that. Like I do think that's that's that is how Jesus talks a lot, and it's how American Christians talk a lot. Yeah, um, they don't see how they're in different ends of the different circles in the ways that they talk about it. But the fact that they do, I still think is very much an overlap. That is still a thing where you could definitely say an American Christian could be looking at Jesus and saying, he really, really believes that the world's about to end. So should I, or so do I. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty good. That's four things, right? 
That's so this sort things. of this sort of like generosity and benevolence towards others. I'm gonna write it down. I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a visual one too, so I can remember. <laughs> I'm gonna reference uh, generosity. Well, you uh, know, we record this podcast. Miracles. <laughs> I know, but but I won't be able to listen back to it in five minutes when I want to reference <laughs> things that we said already. That's uh, gotcha. uh, Apocalypse stuff. What was the second thing I said? The Bible. The Bible. Oh yeah, scripture. Do you have others? No, that feels good. It feels right. Complete. Right. Now, um, and I, I would only I would prefer to talk about the more interesting things, uh, because there's there's plenty of stuff that we could go ahead and say here that would be not super interesting because it's been said a thousand times before. We talk about violence for one thing is like that's an obsession of the of american christianity like super into violence love going to war love america is best and strongest and we got to flex to prove it um preachers carrying guns does not seem weird to anybody um that's it's weird that that doesn't seem weird um and and that is just as far as I'm concerned, extremely, extremely un-Jesus. That is a circle unto itself. Like the idea of defend yourself is part of your faith is American Christianity and the opposite of Jesus. Like what week is it again? The week where Jesus allowed people to murder him (laughs) without (laughs) fighting back at all. Like, yeah. What happened on, you know, we're recording this on Wednesday of Holy Week, and Thursday night was the night where one of his disciples actually drew a weapon against someone who was trying to murder Jesus, and he's like, what are you doing? What do you think we're doing? Did you listen to anything I ever said? Is this how you love your neighbor, Peter? This is how you love your neighbor, by cutting his head off or attempting to cut his head off? Like, but like I said, that's kind of a an uninteresting it's it's oversaid. Um, yeah. Oh, here's one. <clears throat> here's yeah. one that uh, it's weird. It's another one that you could put in the middle. You could put it in the center, but it's okay. also like totally opposites. Okay. Debt. Ooh. Debt. Jesus really is concerned with debt, and so are American Christians. But here's what American Christians are concerned with: uh, don't don't be in debt. Right. Yep. And if you are in debt, it's a moral failing and you didn't listen to your Dave Ramsey tapes. Right. Uh, and, you you know, you need to go fix that. Where Jesus seems to be concerned with don't hold debt. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like the complete opposite end of the spectrum. He's actually like it's a totally different, more in, in almost a. It's like victim blaming is what Jesus would consider the American evangelical right uh, concern with it. But they do both talk about that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. And that's good. It, it definitely is one of those things where I would have to say like, yeah, the obsession with it maybe goes in the middle, but but it, but it also like highlights the need for a Venn diagram. It highlights the need <laughs> yeah. to say like, yeah, but the thing that American Christianity is obsessed with is the opposite of the thing. Because violence, like, yeah, violence goes in the middle. Like, yeah, Jesus right. is obsessed with violence because he's constantly saying things like, yeah, when somebody attacks you, turn the other cheek. Like, yeah, love your enemy. Like, the people who come at you, you you respond to them in love. Like, there's, um, there's definitely obsession with this being an issue. Uh, but somehow American Christianity <laughs> ends up preaching a totally different thing. Um, now, it being Holy Week, I think, and these are just like, I, I'll just throw out a couple more um, quick little ideas. Uh, and these are things that we have covered at length in this podcast. Um, a relation, the, the relationship that Jesus has with his own death and resurrection. I think this is an area, 
And this is the area that I have the most like kind of tension maybe in my own head intellectually about okay. like what, what am I doing in an evangelical church? Like, like what role am I playing? And can I really even be here with the ways that I think about this? But I think that I think about it a lot closer to the way that Jesus does that evangelicals are really obsessed with this idea that on good Friday, um, Jesus is killed by God, or even I've even preached it this way, and I don't I still I don't know how I really feel about it because as far as I'm concerned, this is more of a more of a story that we kind of create for ourselves and find the the most you know meaningful approach to it. More so, the the details are less important. The facts are less important than the story. Um, but that Jesus maybe even uh, surrenders his own life on the cross. That even because you know he died so quickly on it, and there's a there's a he releases his spirit. One of the scriptures yeah, say yeah. so. He's like decides. All right, I'm done, and I'm out. Like you didn't kill me. I'm ready to stop now. Um, yeah. Christians have a real obsession with what that's about. You can't and fire me. I quit. Sort of death. You can't fire me. I quit. I I should have called. I've preached a sermon on Easter Sunday that I should have called that uh, years and years ago. Back when I was in St. Louis, it was probably six or seven years ago. Um, but it was basically that. Like he was in control the entire time. He there was no no moment. Um, but I, I was just gonna like talking about kind of atonement and what this death actually means. To me, uh, like this is one of those things that when you go back and read the the scriptures and read what Jesus himself actually has to say, you start to discover it's just not there. He never once mentions and make sure that you write lots of songs and get really excited about me dying on that cross because that is the moment when you'll be reconciled. That's the moment when all things will be set right. He's sad about it. He doesn't talk about it that yeah. way. Yeah. He weeps in the garden of Gethsemane the night before saying, God, please no. Like, I don't, I don't want this to happen. And he prays the way that we pray, right? <laughs> the whole like, but if you got to, then I guess <laughs> yeah. like, Okay, my prayers were answered as I die here. Because <laughs> um, I gave you the caveat. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I have lots of thoughts on that. That's the, but... that's the Holy Week one, and that's, you know, it, all of that was kind of building up to saying, like, this is the big one. Yeah. So this the idea that that Jesus died because God needed uh, a punishment needed because you, you were, you know, looked at dirty websites on your computer or because yeah. you, uh, you know, whatever, um, that God, God had to punish somebody. Somebody had to die. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it was supposed to be you, right? God, God very well could have been happy killing you. Um, but Jesus stepped in and said, no, 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 I got it. Yeah, that's that's just not. You know, we've talked about like showing up as teacher on this podcast or whatever, so I don't want to be like, but like as a as a Bible scholar, that is my job. That's just not like what's happening in that. That that is a late. Uh, Christian. Invention. Um, yeah has nothing to do with what Jesus thought about his own life and death. And does it mean like, or anyone in the Bible for that matter, right. or anyone in the first several hundred years of Christianity. Would you say with a possible exception in the apostle Paul? No, you wouldn't even say that. And you're no. more a Paul scholar than, than anything. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, we can we've we've done episodes about this yeah. early on in the podcast, and uh, you I'm not go, interested in going back to actually what the scriptures yeah. say, but just but no, you don't get a notion like that until late Reformation, Calvinists, seventeenth seventeenth yeah. century, uh, 
other. And that's bizarre, right? Like even even if even even when uh, the Calvinist bros misquote Paul on atonement stuff and and misuse what Paul actually probably believed even if even if they we conceded any level of that whatsoever wouldn't we still think it's kind of bizarre that Jesus would never mention this at all yeah right. that Jesus would never once say anything remotely close to and every year from now on after this passover after this lord's supper that we're having tonight you're gonna by the way you're gonna call it that's a future reference lord's supper thing you're gonna think that's great later on you don't know you didn't know this was the lord's supper until later on they'll call it that um that it's all gonna be a a celebration also there's gonna be eggs and a bunny and stuff and it's going to be in celebration of the fact that because I was killed, now God likes some people again. Yeah. Now God can stand to be around some people. Like he should say, and I'm being dismissive a little bit about the actual, you know, uh, doctrine, the ways that people would talk. But that's what we believe, right? That's yeah. the thing that American I, was gonna say, I don't think believes. you are. I think that's pretty standard. Like, that's I can't stand to be around you except that he sees you through the veil of Jesus's blood. And even progressive right. Christians, like we're not That's even talking about just evangelicals shit. there. Progressive Christians have maybe a different approach to like how widespread uh, that coverage actually is, like how much blood gets on everybody, but the blood is still the thing. Like it, even the universe, like super progressive universalist Christians, like even when I was thinking that way, and I don't not think that way now. I think it's it's just become like less of a less of a belief about like what actually happens and more of a story and narrative for how I approach life and the world and all of that. Um, but everybody's doctrine is pretty much that. It's pretty much the idea that God. I don't has... think that's probably true anymore. I think that used to be true. Um, but you think there I don't. Are... Christians who have a way to God without the death of Jesus. Oh yeah. For I sure. guess that's the, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like in my church, for instance, never talked about ever. In fact, when I, I talk about this stuff, like I did a, I did a class at my church um, during Lent a couple of years ago about, it was something, it was something about like beyond the vampire god or something yeah um like saying god doesn't doesn't need a blood sacrifice to like you um and people are receptive to that like people were like what the fuck are you talking about yeah it wasn't like they they, they were like know. oh yeah that's a good idea it was like i've never heard this i've okay. never heard this idea so this is uh, much more like catholic and evangelical yeah. Yeah. And then, but I I mean, I think it was true in the main line 50 years ago. Okay. A hundred years ago. Um, but mainline seminaries have not been teaching this for a while. And so it hasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, like I said, I think this is the most interesting one. This is the, and this is the thing that's like probably most often the hang up for me. It's still the, because hell is like, it is what it is. I don't know. You might be right. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> there's, there's enough of me that's just kind of like, well, if you actually believe that, then yeah, I guess I'd talk about it a lot too. I certainly did when I did. Um, but the idea that central to evangelicalism, central to Catholicism and central to a lot of just American Christianity is the idea that, um, that Jesus's death is what made a way for you to have a relationship with God, not being something Jesus ever said or anyone in the Bible ever said or anyone in the church ever believed for the first 1700 years of the church is, is pretty off putting for me. Like it's, it's, that is a very challenging part of this. That's a part where, you know, the figure eight, 
Venn diagram that I'm looking at in my head starts to become two separate circles. It starts to look even more and more like this isn't even a figure eight. They're just like an adult drew that eight and there's no (laughs) like like there's a yeah, yeah, exactly. And like the circles might even be floating apart from each other in space and the, the where it appeared that there was overlap that you might have to just start saying like, oh, well, this thing never had anything to do with that thing. Yeah. This just isn't that. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. So what are we doing? What what are we trying to get out of church at this point? <laughs> like, what's the, yeah. What's well, the follow-up so, question to all of this is like, if we're Jesus <clears throat> people and maybe Bible people and like, if, if Christians and people listen to this podcast are like really interested in the idea that maybe there's something redeemable here, um, well, are we going to find it in church? Are we going to find it in, in communities of faith like that? And if not, then what are we doing there? I don't know. What were you- yeah. Well, that's interesting. I wanted to actually like, that's kind of what I thought we were going to talk about today, just because we passed a couple of texts back and forth. But this is, you know, one of the things that we used to do when we started this podcast is we would we would actually at the beginning have meetings about like, here's what we're going to talk about on the podcast. Right. We stopped that really early and just started. <laughs> but even for a while, we would pass notes back and forth and kind of like do planning off mic. And now we're just like, this is us creating the podcast right now here in front of you. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I kind of had in mind to talk about, and I didn't know we were going to do the Venn diagram thing. So that, super interesting to like see how that is connecting for you um oh and it's interesting to hear even just hearing you say that is is like another moment where i realize the two are just not even related for you yeah well what i was going to think about was like um you know there was something i i feel like we're having a a shift in the nature of the podcast um in the last four or five episodes oh this podcast is full of shifts <laughs> <laughs> full of shift i think is the title of this one um so we we've been for two years or whatever now talking a lot about like well let's look at this like why isn't there more overlap between jesus and and American Christianity. And we've done that a lot by critiquing American Christianity. And we've done that some by like, Hey, let's go look at the teachings of Jesus and try to figure that out. Yeah. Um, but we've been kind of dealing with that Venn diagram without saying it, you know, without using that image for a couple of years. But now I think I'm like kind of ready to say, okay, but what now, <laughs> you know? So what, what do I do? And, there was something that I liked about like, there's a reason that I loved my evangelical. Like we talk about this, like we didn't, we loved, we loved our lives as evangelical Christians. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was, and it wasn't just because of the social, it wasn't just because I was 16 and that's where all my friends were, was at church. I mean, that was a huge part of it, but it wasn't just that. Like I connected to something. I experienced something, uh, something, I don't know, divine, transcendent, who the hell knows? Um, But there was something real there. And like, how do you get that if you just hate everything about the evangelical Christianity, right? Yeah. And, you know... For me, part of it has been like, well, let's try out the mainline progressive Christians. And it's like, well, that's cool. They're doing something cool here. But that's kind of part of what I was getting at about like the the grandpa shaped hole for God. It's like, I don't connect with it. I don't, you know, when you're talking about the energy of the universe moving through you and that's your experience of God. Well, that's cool. That's great. I'm glad that's doing it for you but it's not doing anything for me because my evangelical upbringing was so different that i don't know how to connect here it's like that doesn't fit the 
the hole that I've created. But I can't also go back to evangelicalism because I can't deal with the guns and the republicanism and the the and the whatever value yeah the family the purity culture all the bullshit i can't do that um yeah and so it's like well what what do we do what were we looking for and what were we finding uh that we like and how do we take that now and and connect with it and i don't know like part of it's part of its community part of it's like where do you go where do you go to sing with people yeah right i mean you sing all the time on stage but i don't know like i don't know any place in our culture where you can just go and sit around and like uh, campfires maybe but how often do you get around a campfire like yeah it's really um so i want to i want to back up just a little bit and then and then i and then i'll jump in on that too um you were just saying like you know, you can't can't imagine being in it with the guns and the violent stuff and the race stuff and the purity culture stuff. And and I'm and I'm in it right now. And I'm like in a, a true, pretty conservative, like a very conservative evangelical church. And like and I'm navigating that in in a way that's totally new to me, like totally, yeah. totally new to be saying like, just so we're clear, you know, I told you, and I don't, I don't think he has any idea the, the scope of this whenever I say it, but like telling the pastor at lunch, I'm not an evangelical. I don't believe any of the things you're supposed to believe to be an evangelical. Um, but I still believe that most of what you're doing here is helpful to society and probably more important than that because that just makes me feel good to say it out loud whether i believe it or not more than anything i feel comfortable here i feel like i know how to how to pursue friendships here yeah i feel like i know life there there's like a yeah that's like when i talk to when my wife and i meet another married couple in this church community there's like we're seven steps into the relationship already. And I'm not saying like we can't be friends that we don't meet in that setting, but I'm just it's like it's like when you meet another couple that's around your age and has the same number of kids in their house at a country club. You're like, well, we already know that we kind of operate in society in a lot of the same ways. Yeah. We already know so much about each other before we've even started conversing. And yeah. that is it's incredibly valuable to us at this point in our lives and coming out of the church. It's like, that's the only relationships we ever really had anyways, to the point that we might actually be a little, uh, incapable of pursuing relationships any other way. And everybody's kind of like that. I'm a little less interested in like pointing back to my trauma and the issues that the church created, you know, angry, which I think everyone has a right to do, by the way, like just for me personally, though, I'm saying like, I think I'm looking now and saying, well, that's kind of true for everybody that like some people only ever make friends through playing sports yeah. and then eventually they can't play sports anymore and they don't know how to make friends without sports. Like, yep. and that's the same thing. So I only ever made friends in church and now I mostly only know how to make friends in church. So that's like. Um, so back to the the music thing and the singing thing, I think you're really onto something with that. And I think like as a musician and as someone who's, you know, going to play a wedding reception on Friday night and then Easter Sunday morning uh, at a church, there is, I've said this to people that I play music with, you know, I have some people who, who do both things and aren't evangelicals at all or, or aren't even from church world. Their only connection to church world is me saying, hey, you want to come and play some drums at this church and we'll give you a hundred bucks to, to play three songs um, on, on a Sunday morning. Like that's, that's their connection. We'll have conversations about it afterwards where, where they will fully acknowledge there is something so much more intense and bigger and, and kind of more stressful and more beautiful that happens when you sing songs in a church on a Sunday morning than really you experience in any other place in society. Now, some bands do create that kind of atmosphere at their concerts and things, but I'm saying like evangelical churches 
all across every city in America are creating something with music that you don't get anywhere else. And I kind of love it and I kind of hate it. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's yeah. so intense. Nowhere in my life, I'm a professional musician who will stand in, like there are times when someone has paid, you know, thousands of dollars for my band to stand and they won't even look in our direction. They just wanted us over there. Yeah. And then you do <laughs> yeah, church on right. Sunday morning for a hundred people and they all stand up, they go silent, they look at you and they expect you to take them somewhere. They expect you to do something with this yeah. moment and they'll go with you if you do it right. And that is a very, very unique to evangelical church experience. Um, that yeah, I think absolutely. is kind of profound, like in such a, in a weird way is it's, uh, it, it wears me out. Like it, it sucks more like singing four songs for 20 minutes on a, at a church on a Sunday morning takes more out of me than singing four hours at a bar the night before. Um, because that's of the really intensity of the exchange. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, that's super interesting. I was even thinking of like, Oh, I, I think I texted you last week that I had like an aha moment about church stuff. And I, I was thinking what about- That's we were going to do today. Yeah. I was going to ask you about your aha moment. There it is. We found Well, here it, it is. All right, guys, the <laughs> podcast is starting. <laughs> um, I, I was, you know, I'm finishing up dissertation. Well, working on my dissertation. And I, I have all these dreams about like, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do when I get done and have all this time? Um, And- I was thinking, I want to, I'd like to be in a book club. I want to start a book club, you know, because I'm a nerd. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, I don't know of any book. I, I want to read, I want to be in a book club where we read popular science books, hmm. where we read like uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson and, and Carl Sagan and shit like that, whatever. Um, so I started looking around, like, are there, I couldn't find any book clubs where they were doing this in Pittsburgh. And I said, well, I'll just, I could start a book club. Why don't I start a book club? Um, and then I thought, oh yeah, I'll just start a book club at church. That's fine. I'll start it. And I was like, well, yeah, but I'd kind of like to like relax while I do. It. I'd like to drink a little, you know, have some beat. And I was like, I can't do that at church. And I was like, ah, oh, bummer. You know, why couldn't church be like this? And then I thought like, why am I expecting church to do all the Like, why don't just go find a book club or start a book? Like, yeah. why does it have to be a church? Yeah. And it's like, you know, I, I want, I, well, I want that singing. I've, I haven't had that singing experience that you're talking about in ages because that's not the way that mainline progressive Christianity right. engages music. Um, and and you've said on the podcast, and I want to say this for other people too, just in case you're not going to go here. Like you've yeah. even talked about how that's kind of triggering for you. Like it's that so takes, triggering for me. Yeah, and I and I get it. Like I, I would say, I just want to say, all, all people are different and have different feelings yeah. about and different experiences in, in these things. And uh, I'm not well, saying that that's all beautiful and all good for everybody. So it's not only like I'm honestly like almost fighting back tears talking about this right now that because it's it, it's it is so triggering for me and it's also a deep deep longing nostalgia like there there is something real that happens in that moment mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know what it is i mean it might just be a sociological phenomenon where you get a lot of people and there's a certain fine whatever um there is something real that happens that I'm long for. And you can kind of, you can almost feel it uh, if you're around a good campfire and a couple of people get out guitars and you sing old Beatles songs or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Together. If everybody's singing together and there's kind of an intensity to it. Um, but how often does that happen? Right. One. And, and I would say like, yeah, it, and it's not even quite the, camp, the same. Even the campfires that I get around and somebody's like, Drew, sing something. Like, play guitar. Like, I'm so hesitant to do it because I know that everyone, I, I almost sense like everybody wants that buy in that you're talking about, but 
probably won't be willing to do it. Yeah. Like, yeah. It has to be where everybody's ready to yeah. really dig in. And I think There's like I can think of a handful church? of times in my life that that's happened around the campfire. It's like, exactly. like three or four times ever that like that experience was created. And like, evangelical churches have commodified that really like they've created yeah. that and they've said, that's, right. that's like half of what we're going to do. Like yeah. If you come here on a Sunday morning, everybody's in agreement. We're going to stand. We're going to, a lot of us are going to close our eyes. We're going to put words on the screen. So if you don't know the song, you can sing the song like, but whether you sing it or not, it's not an option for you to walk around the room and talk to somebody while this happens. Like that is at a bar or at a campfire and it, yeah. like, it's not an option. We're going to yeah. turn the lights down. We're going to create this moment that is like, and it's a thing that I've like, I had a really conflicted relationship with even when I was a pastor. Cause I would be like, Oh, it's so, it's so commodified. It's so manu manufactured. It's so like you can sell people on a church with it. Like they'll decide to go to a church for that very reason. And now it's, it's so bizarre that I'm like, but that's the thing that I'm like, you know how you like start to discover it. Maybe, it, maybe it's everybody in their thirties where they're like, you realize you're good at some things and you care about some things. And then you discover that there's probably like one thing that you're like, yeah, and I might be one of the best in the world at that though. <laughs> I might be like, you know, this really, really niche market thing where I'm like yeah. less than 1% of people on the planet can do that thing that I, and I'm, and I'm seeing that like creating those kinds do of that. moments and experiences is like, that's a thing I can do. And I'm, and I'm trying to have a reconciled view of it. Like it's this thing that I'm like, yeah, but I'm better than like a thousand, you know, 10,000 other people at doing this thing. And I'm not even, I can't even convince myself it's a good thing. Yeah. And yeah. I want to believe it's a Man. good thing that I can do at that level and that I can create for people and that like, and that I can just let it roll off like a, like water off a duck's back when somebody's like, you're so anointed by God. It's just like, no, it's just a skill that I developed and I think it's useful and I think it's meaningful and, and like, don't, you know, you don't have to like give me all the credit for this thing. What happened is that I've learned how to, how to bring us together to do that and learned the value in it. And, Somehow it's, it's almost it, like it has a, to be tied to these beliefs that I don't believe yeah, is the weird part. Right. <laughs> it's it's kind of like a um it's a little bit like a drug. And the thing that feels I think the thing that feels icky about it, right, is that when you have intense human emotion, it sneaks up on you. Mm -hmm. Right? You fall in love you get angry, you um, feel nostalgia or sympathy. It's like, whatever, these intense emotions happen to you um, in the moment. And it, that feels real and honest and raw, right? And, but, you know, if you're, if you're really into feeling a particular kind of thing, there's, there's a drug out there that you can say, well, I could actually make this happen. Mm -hmm. Right. I can actually, I can actually go and feel that way. Um, and it's fine. Cause you do it. You're in control. You say, I'm going to buy this drug. Right. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to do this. But if somebody drugged you, even with a drug that you might have chosen to take yourself, if somebody drugged you, you'd be like super pissed and rightly so yeah. it's like, and, and there's something about that, like, th this is a beautiful experience if you want to have it. And I mean, that's why. Yeah. This drug is why so many people go to evangelical churches. Yeah. Because they're experiencing something real and they love it and they're going to go back for it. But to hear you say, oh, no, I could actually make you do that if you, you know, if you just come here, let's. Yeah, like I, well, I can and, I can create that in a lab right now, but I think and give there, it to you, right, right. But I think there is an agreement level that's kind of necessary, and that's what yeah. the, the evangelical church is doing. Is like, yeah. even if only half the people in this room are in agreement about it, like even if only that's still enough to kind of overtake the room. Yeah. Um, 
No, I want to say something about but that, just the that, fact like, that you can do all that math, right? The fact yeah, that you know yeah, yeah. here's how we create this thing for you. Oh yeah, yeah. Lower like, the lights. Um, create that's the dynamic what feels moments icky about it, right? That's what feels manipulative, and it is. It is the it is the part that makes it. I don't know. I I think the beliefs are the things that make it most icky for me because creating the emotional like. I'm doing that at the wedding, like the bride and groom, they don't know what they want as they're walking down the aisle. And I'm like, you want your grandma to cry. I know that song. <laughs> you know, I know that melody. I know that scale is really what it boils down to. It's like you use a yeah. certain scale and it, like, um, they don't even know how to articulate it. And I'm like, well, I know, I know how to use music to elicit. I mean, I think that's the, if I had to boil down like what my strength is as a musician, I'm not as, technically gifted as a lot of people that I play with but I think the 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 sort of management of emotion um and repackaging and handing back of emotion is the thing that that's that's what I do that's the that's the game I play that's the thing I've never been able to get recorded but I can create in in rooms you know yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that's why I I just don't even in, enjoy the things that I've recorded as much as I'm like ah I'm better than the thing I put down though <laughs> I'm better at the thing that I'm good at than I than I could ever show you on vinyl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to say something, though, that you just said about a drug and, and sort of an agreement to it. I had real conflict whenever I first started playing music in bars about the idea that we were creating emotion and creating feel and creating sort of vibe in an environment where I was like, but what if somebody has problems with their drinking that our emotion that we're conveying through our music or the feeling that we're creating here, the atmosphere that we're creating here is going to, you know, cause more of, or what if we, you know, yeah. there's definitely a sexuality <laughs> tied into a lot of music. And like, what if, what if we're playing some sort of role in someone being unfaithful or, <laughs> You know, there's there's grinding taking place on the, on the dance floor that would not have taken place if I had not chosen that song for that moment and been like, "Ooh, it looks like we're kind of moving in a sexy direction here. Let's keep going that way," yeah. and and you know, create this kind of space for each other. And I think that's a that's an ickiness that you could feel in any kind of art, like any kind of art that anybody creates, and any kind, especially experiential um types of art that you could start to take responsibility for or have to deal with the responsibility of like when i do these things people uh operate or feel or experience things that are outside of their normal range of emotions and range of actions and um and i don't know i i think i'm okay with that at the, at the church level though i think i'm just kind of like saying you came here you, you walk you knew what this was like you walked in you i might as well give you what you came for or I, i'm going to assume that this is what you came for and i i don't know like i said i'm saying that in a moment right now where i feel like yeah i think this is good and i think this is something that i want to be able to do this thing that that i can do at this level like i want to be able to do that uh, and not feel gross about it. Um, but like two hours from now, I might feel really different or on any given Sunday morning, it might feel really different. Or if I were to picture certain friends of mine walking into that space on a Sunday morning, you know, without fully knowing what it was that I would feel a little guilty for a little strange about, but, yeah. but I had the same, I have the same thing whenever I, I know friends of mine who are sober um who will show up sometimes to see me play music and i feel pretty weird about it so i'm like because of my friendship and because of my relationship and now i'm in this position of like i don't want to create i don't want this to feel too <laughs> real too for real. you yeah. i don't want you to lose yourself in this so much that you relapse um it's a weird responsibility i this, I think I've probably known this for a long time, but 
this is the first time I've ever been able to articulate this in exactly this way. Um, everything that I do in my, I don't know, spirituality, if you want to call it that, um, you know, every, every time I've ever messed around with meditation, Buddhist meditation, or with, uh, you know, whatever I try to do at church and whatever I try to do making art and paying attention to my dreams and whatever, anything that like I think of as kind of spiritual. I have been trying and failing to recreate a feeling that I had all the time when I was 16, 17 years old because somebody knew that technology. Mm-hmm. that you're talking about um and i want that and can't possibly even bear to be around it in that way anymore it's just way too triggering um but yeah. I, I desperately want that feeling and i've never like I, I want the result of that drug and i try a thousand things and i don't know how to find it have you tried molly Something is occurring to me as strange Evangelicals say the Jesus people But then they're fuzzy on a lot of his ways I'm not saying they're evil Or even that they're trying to pull some kind of heist I'm just saying that I think that they're unclear What kinds of things would be important to Christ